I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Andy J Podcast. Hey, welcome to the very latest episode of the Andy J Podcast. I believe this is podcast number 55. And today we have a very special guest for you. A man who we had a whole hour in conversation with at the very end of last year, December 2020. That is, of course, Jeremy Clarkson. Now, if you've heard that chat, you'll know that we've covered all the stuff in his past about his childhood and the challenges he had at school and, of course, other things like Top Gear and so on and so forth. And it was a brilliant conversation, absolutely fascinating, and Jeremy was incredible company. So when we had the opportunity to speak to him again, we sort of said, well, yeah, but can we have more than the sort of four or five minutes that you're giving other broadcasters? And he was very generous and said, sure, really like the last chat, let's have another long one. So it's about a half an hour or so of conversation with him about his new show, which sees a brand new side to Jeremy Clarkson. I'm sure if you're a Clarkson fan, you're fully aware by now that he's got this new farming show out, Clarkson's Farm, about his life, his new life as a farmer. And so a lot of this chat is about that. It's not just about the show, but it's about what he believes about farming and how it's changed his life and all sorts of other different things. You learn quite a lot about Jeremy through his comments and feedback about this. And he also talks about having COVID, etc. And we sort of pick up a little bit where we left off in our hours chat at the end of last year. However, if you'd like to learn more about Jeremy and you haven't heard that chat, do check out the show from December 2020. I can also tell you that still to come this week, we have two Oscar winners for you. They'll be on a special show tomorrow. Olivia Coleman, National Treasure, the Queen from the Crown, and just, wow, one of our favourite actors of all time. She is brilliant. She's incredibly good company, and she's just starring in The Father alongside Anthony Hopkins, a role for which, incidentally, he has just won the Best Actor Oscar for. And the man who created that show, directed it, wrote the screenplay, and indeed wrote the play that it's based on is Florian Zeller and he also won an Oscar for that movie so Olivia Coleman and Florian Zeller will be on the show tomorrow you'll be able to download that from tomorrow and they are joined by another Hollywood star Paul W.S. Anderson, the man behind Resident Evil and Event Horizon, the massive movie director who's married to Mila Jovovich so tomorrow's show we will have Olivia Coleman, Florian Zeller Paul W.S. Anderson, and we're going to sprinkle a little bit of soap magic in there as well and include the wonderful Beverly Callard, star of Coronation Street, and of course most recently in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. So Beverly will complete that four-way conversation tomorrow. For now, though, let's jump in, shall we, with, once again, Mr. Jeremy Clarkson. The Andy J Podcast. I am delighted to welcome back a man who I enjoyed an hour with last Christmas. And now he's, well, he's about to become the nation's most famous farmer. It is the one and only Jeremy Clarkson. How are you doing, Jeremy? Very well. How are you? Alive and kicking. And Jeremy, i got to tell you, after our last chat, we had a lovely hour together. And I had so many people saying to me, 
Well, he's a lovely man, isn't he? You took people by surprise, Jeremy. Well, yes, I mean, I created a, a big Billy Goat gruff exterior for the television. <laughs> but the farming programme is the first proper, genuine reality show I've ever done. You know, where the cameras turned up in the morning and simply filmed what happened. And so that was, you, you, actually, you actually do get to see real farming, real people behaving in a real way. And it's, um, I think it's great. I'm, you know, I'm really quite proud of it. It's well, and rightly so, Jeremy. I've seen many episodes now. It's an absolute joy. But I think, as you say, you see all the real farming and so on. But I think, without sounding too glib, you also see the real Jeremy. Um, you probably do. I mean, just being shouted at. That's really <laughs> all that happens. I get up in the morning, somebody shouts at me, so I'll go and do something else, and then somebody else shouts at me. It's incredible how many mistakes you can make in farming. Well, you're disarmed, Jeremy. You know, it's it's not, you're not in the place for which you are so well known. You're not behind the wheel. No. You're not in charge of Hammond and May. You're at the whim of nature. At the whim of nature and of a, a team of people who know what they're doing. This is the critical thing. Caleb, my tractor driver, um, Gerald, my dry stone roller, Charlie, the land agent, Helen, the shepherd, they, they know what they're doing. And they're lovely, lovely, lovely people, honest, proper, not celebrity, nice people. So you're surrounded by nice people and it just becomes a nice environment. Um, in doing something very complicated. Well, I think it's complicated. Well, I can't do it, if I'm honest, but I'm learning. <laughs> well, do you know what I love about this? is it, it's, it's a sort of warts and all about farming. Yes, of course, there's the narrative that is your story and your journey. And we see mm -hmm. you learn and we watch you struggle and fall for, fall in love with things that we never thought you would and so on. But actually, it's a real spotlight into, well, the heartbreak of farming, actually. Um, it's, you never get a good night's sleep if you're a farmer. This is one of the things, because I had to sp spend a considerable amount of money to get the equipment that I needed and to buy the seed and the fertilizer and all the insecticides and so on. So you've got quite a lot of money riding on it. And then it rains for six weeks. And you just think, well, I can't get any of, I can't use the equipment and I can't plant my seeds. And so you just lie awake worrying, thinking, I'm going to, you know, it's all just money going literally down the lavatory. So you just don't ever sleep. I don't know why farmers don't all have coronaries because it's so stressful. Yes. It's everything you do. You just think, well, and then you, you do, you work for a year and you've no idea what your reward is going to be at the end of it. You know, you're harvesting the wheat and you don't know, has, is that successful or not? You just don't know ever. Oh, I sends shivers down my spine thinking about it. Yes, the, but I'm going to keep doing it. Well, the, well that was that's obviously something we, we've got to touch on. But the the only thing it seems that you are acutely aware of, continually as a farmer, is how much each day is costing. How much, you know, every yeah. every seed, every piece of fertilizer, every lamb, and so on. And it's well, it's such an eye opener. I mean, I was genuinely staggered, and I tell you because we put it in the program when I sat down with, with my sort of land agent, the man who knows what you need to do and when, um, and we went through all the stuff I'd need. And it was a quarter of a million pounds. Yes, this, this is well, just for crops, wasn't it? That was just, well, that was the seed, and it was to buy the equipment I needed as well, second hand. That was not new equipment. 
I thought, God, Stoops, this had better work. Um, and it keeps you on your toes. You don't want to be. You don't want to be doing what we do on the Grand Tour and sort of. Oh no, we failed. You couldn't have any of that. You had to really try your hardest, which I did. Really yes. tried my hardest. Yes, yes, you really got stuck in. I, I mean, in fact, mm. the only thing which is probably where people would say, oh, yeah, that's the Clarkson we know, was your purchase of Tractor, which was which we see very very yeah. early on in episode one in chapter first one. Thing, first called. thing I did. Yeah. First thing I did. You go out and Right, write. well, I thought, <laughs> well, I was looking through the second-hand columns in various, you know, Tractor magazines, and there was a Lamborghini. Look, well, I'll have that. And it was actually very inexpensive compared to all the other tractors. So I thought, and now I know why, because it's just rubbish. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, you, you, you seem know. very pleased. 40 gears forwards, 40 gears back, well, you've, you've bought a beast. I know, nine tons, 270 horsepower. But the problem is, it is too big. It, everyone said it was too big when I bought it. It won't go through any of the gate posts. It, it smashes the soil when you uh, drive, drive over it. Everything you attach to the back, it's too powerful, so it smashes it. It's just, it's a really stupid tractor. And the brakes failed the other day, and that was really alarming. Well, um, well this is the thing, you still have it. I'd have thought, I know. with everyone saying no, 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 and it's clearly wrong, I'd have thought you'd have just gone, all right, I'll get a Massey Ferguson, or, or whatever. Well, but- I'd bought it by then. You know, that was the trouble, I'd bought it by then. So, and I didn't realise, I thought they were just being silly. It took me about six months to think, wait a minute, this tractor is, is ridiculous. <laughs> um but, you know, everything else was not, that was my first and only solo decision. All the other, I, I cancelled other people first. Um, made some calls rather than just thinking, oh, I know best. Because I didn't know best. I was completely out of my depth. Completely. Yes, doing something that I thought I could understand and I don't. And that is part of the joy of it. Jeremy, that's that's the kind of fun of it. I mean, let's let's paint the picture for the for the listener that hasn't seen it yet. You've got a farm in the Cotswolds. It's a thousand acres. There's brooks. Mm. There's wildflowers. There's waterfalls, and it's something that you've actually had for a long time. I think you bought it in two thousand and eight, but have never yeah. run it. You, you've always had someone running it. The farmer decides to. Well, retire. I mean, I, I obviously I, I had Top Gear and then Grand Tour to do, so I was busy and newspaper columns and what have you. So I didn't have time to run it. So a man in the, the, a local farmer, he just he had all the kit and he just ran it for me. And then he just said, "I'm retiring in 2018." Uh, so I said, "Oh, that's all right. I'll do it." Because by then we weren't doing weekly motoring shows. So I thought, "Well, all the time is easy. Mankind has been farming for twelve thousand years. It'll be natural to us." But it just isn't natural to me somehow. And I should have known because every time somebody buys me even a geranium. I'll either overwater it or underwater it or put two in the sunlight or not in the sunlight enough and it will die. So why I thought crops would, would I'd be any better with crops, I've no idea. And I'm not. <laughs> and they all, I mean, it's just so difficult. And, and I mean, luckily I've got a very... Yeah, go on. Well, joyfully, like all great TV shows, because ultimately, this is your life. This is what you have lived. But for us, the viewer, it is also a TV show. And so chapter one, for example, and we'll talk about the other chapters as well, but chapter one, there is real jeopardy, because as you make this decision and you buy your tractor, you realise, thanks to your your buddy Charlie, who is quite the spirit guide when it comes to farming, you realise that you've got less than 14 days to transform the fields and get everything sown. And you've got a lot of fields and a lot of sowing to do. With no I experience. I know. And then it started to rain, and it didn't stop raining for six weeks. I mean, it was known, it's Armageddon for farming. Um, no farmer, I think, in living memory, 
has had a worse planting season than uh, 2019. And that was my first one. It was, um, it was just beyond difficult, uh, beyond difficult. I mean, even if you knew what you were doing, you still couldn't get your, your crops in the ground. Yes, we we saw a side to you quite early on where you started to empathise very quickly with established farmers, people that have done it as a life hobby, well, no, as a, as a life choice. Job, and, yeah, and, job. And, as a, well, ex- exactly. And you were sort of saying, I don't know how they do it. With everything thrown against them, how does anyone survive? Uh, I don't, well, a lot. That, it's, honestly, it's got the highest suicide rate of any job, and I can see why. And then the highest accident rate, 20 times higher than all other jobs combined. So, it's a very dangerous and dispiriting job to do, providing food uh, for p- people and nurturing the countryside, making it, it look pretty. And then all that ever happens is they're shouted at, um, which I find very sad. You know, oh, farmers are doing this and farmers are doing that. A bunch of school children running around saying, oh, farming, you shouldn't have meat and oh, you shouldn't be using chemicals. Oh, for heaven's sake, they're doing their best. Mm. It's because you want to eat chicken nuggets. Um, so yes, it's it's a it's a very and sometimes very dispiriting job, but sometimes incredibly rewarding. And I was very happy, or I have been very happy, um, making uh, doing farming for the last eighteen months. Very happy. Yes, we well, I, I want to come back to the happiness because it's it's a huge, huge part of of sort of the transformation, as it were, in the in the public perception. But Jeremy, which which came first, the decision to dedicate yourself to, to a, a solid chunk of farming, or or the idea that you could make a TV show about it? Because it is a you know that's quite an interesting tangent. Mentally. You know, it's definitely the farming. Farming came first, and then I sort of got to meet all of the people who had been working on the farm that I'd never really met before, Charlie, the land agent, and Caleb, you know, the tractor driver, and Gerald, the dry stone molder, and all of these people. So I thought, these would, they would work terribly well on television, and um, and it turns out they do. They're just so charming, all of them. Oh, they're, they're, um, they're joyful, yeah. Yeah, that's a wonderful group. It's a funny little dysfunctional family we've got up there, but it's it's great. It's just such a harmonious and wonderful wonderful workplace. That's how I describe it. So I just thought, well, this might work on television. So I started pitching it to Amazon, and they immediately said yes. Yes, actually, I first pitched it to the BBC in two thousand and eight, and all they were bothered about was where would the production office be. So I said, I said. Um, London, I suppose. Oh, no, you can't do it in London. I said, well, I don't know. And that's all. They, they never asked what the show was about or but just where it was going to be made. But Amazon went a bit less bothered about that. And uh, and here we are with it uh, with it out. How extraordinary. I mean, it's a bit like, uh, the, the you know, the guy that missed out on the Beatles, isn't it? Because it is, it's going to be, everyone's going to watch this, Jeremy. It's a very special show. You've even had The Guardian praising it, for goodness sake. I know. <laughs> Guardian liked it. I know. The Financial Times gave it five stars. Because it's a very small programme. It's not, I mean, nobody's pretending this is the most important television programme. It's not Ken Burns, Vietnam War, all this. You know, it's, it's, a, it's tiny. It's a small little thing, but. I think it's really enjoyable to watch. That's, I'm, you know, I do. I'm, and Andy Wilman, who's I've worked with forever, um, he did produced all of Top Gear and he produced all of um, uh, Grand Tour, and he's produced all of my solo projects. Um, he didn't produce this one, but he did edit it, mm. which was great. And he said, he said it's just it's fantastic. And when he likes it, then that's great. Um, he just said all the stuff was coming into the edit. And he's thinking, this is just a tremendous programme. 
It is. Um, it is. I mean, yeah. Jeremy, are you ready to be liked? Because, of course, with, with Top Gear <laughs> and with Grand Tour, it's divisive. You know that. You you split the audience. Yeah. With this, no, absolutely. You no, can't, no, you can't not like you in this show. I don't, I, I, I don't think I said anything controversial in it, particularly. So, you know, if you're waiting for me to explode or to shout at somebody or that's not going to happen and for me to say oh all the things that I used to say on the studios it doesn't really happen it's just us farming it's a nice program I can't think of anything other than to say about it it's just a nice group of people doing a nice thing to produce nice food that's it and, and make the countryside look pretty and did it change that's did it change your outlook on life Jeremy it's all, not really no I mean no, not particularly, because I mean, so it's always oh, become an environmentalist. Not really. I mean, I've done my best to encourage beetles and planted beetle strips in, in the crop fields, and I've created a wetland area, and I've I've thinned the woods to encourage new growth, and I've put up owl boxes. And so I've done as much as I can to make nature happy. And then I've also sprayed glyphosate all, all over the crops to make them healthy and not organic. So, you know, so I'm trying to, it's always a balance, everything that's a balance. And I think perhaps being a farmer has taught, taught me about the importance of balance in everything else. Yes, that's, that's very curious, isn't it? Because you've had to weigh up, I mean, challenging decisions. We've seen you shed tears over, over sheep that you've taken yourself well, not, to the not, altar, actually, which not is... actual tears, no, they were just a quiet moment. <laughs> just a fly in Quiet the moment of reflection, yeah. <clears throat> no, a quiet, a pinched nose, let's put it that way. Um, no, no, I wouldn't shed tears over it. It was, it was uh, unpleasant. You know, you've got these three sheep that had bad bags, as they're called, um, teats weren't working. So while they could get pregnant, they wouldn't be able to feed their lambs. And so consequently, they had to go off to be slaughtered. And I could have given that job to somebody else, but I thought, no, no, come on, if you're going to farm sheep, you have to do this. So, And the problem is, in order to get the antibiotics out of their system that they'd been given when they came to the farm, um, you have to wait three weeks. So I'd sort of been feeding them every day for three weeks, and I'd sort of got to know them, and then you have to put them in the trailer and tow them down to Whitney, and um, and then they were slaughtered. But then I ate them, um, and they gave me heartburn, so they had the last laugh in the end, I suppose, because I've never had heartburn before. I don't recommend it. Um, so, But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, that was a one of those moments you think, oh, that's not a happy day. I'm really enjoying myself today. But it had to be done. And the lambs all had to go off. You know, you, you're there, you give birth to them, you nurture them, you rub their backs and you put them in the fields and you feed them and you love them and then you kill them and eat them. I mean, that's just the cycle of, of life, I suppose. Well, it's the cycle of farming life, Jeremy. But was, was there yeah, a part exactly. of you that, that at any point thought to yourself, well, do you know what? I've got another job, so I've got an income elsewhere. I've got plenty of fields. I could just keep the sheep and just let them have a place to live and grow old? No. Sheep are incredibly difficult animals to keep because <laughs> a sheep wants to die. This is what people must remember. It actively wants to die. Not during the day. That would be too convenient for the farmer. It will become ill during the day to give him something to do all day. And then it'll be something revolting. It's never something as simple as a heart attack or a stroke. No, 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 they'll want to rot from the back or be infested with maggots. Or put their head in a stock fence and simply cut it off. Right. And then they'll do that at two o'clock in the morning and say, you've got to get up and tidy up this hideous, gangrenous mess that's been 
left by the dead sheep. So they, the idea of keeping them as pets just fills me with horror and dread. I mean, I've still got them now. Uh, just think, oh, God, they're so annoying. Um, they really are an annoying animal. And now I'm, it was stupid. I'm, the other day I had a meeting with Let's get some cows. And I thought, what am I doing? Is they're going to be even worse? But apparently they're not. Cows are much nicer and easier to keep than sheep. Well, you're going to find out, Jeremy. That's I am. Well, if I get them, if I get them, it'll be an interesting one to find out. Is that now, Jeremy? I am in no way calling you a sheep. Okay, just I want to say that from the mm. outset. But the way you mm. just described them. It sounds a little like the way your girlfriend Lisa describes you in the show, which is chaotic and brilliant. Oh, she described me as chaotic and brilliant. She, she normally has. calls me some much worse than that. <laughs> so, if, I, it's, uh, she, Lisa's role in the programme is, is really to roll her eyes at me because, uh, you know, I'm going to grow wasabi. That's what I'm going to do. Nobody else in the UK is doing that, so I shall do it. And then, of course, I could realise why nobody grows it in the UK. It's, it's nigh on impossible. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Um, yes. You, know, you can, but you, you need to be really paying attention, which I sort of wasn't because I was doing other things. Um, so my wasabi didn't really work. Oh, right, I'm going to dig a big pond here and we'll put trout in it. And so Lisa just rolls her eyes and just thinks, haven't you got enough to do with the wheat, the barley, the rape, without buying sheep, trout? Bees, oh, I bought 75 million of those. Um, and they just kept stinging me. But we do get a lot of honey. And we've got a farm shop now. You do. So that's another thing I can do. Yeah. So, it, yes, and Lisa runs that, does a very good job of it. Well, again, this was another side to Jeremy that we read about in the tabloids, but we don't see. And that was, you have a lovely relationship with Lisa. I, I, again, that's well, slightly patronising for me to say that. But she's lovely. Well done. <laughs> wow. Well, oh, she what is, a catch. Oh, she is. Yes, no, she is. She's good. And she's ageless, because the Daily Mail chose an age for her when I met her, and then she stayed that age for the last five years, which is amazing. <laughs> so, yes, I've never met an actual ageless person. I mean, she does. She only looks about 12, but I know. So they've decided, you know, that she is 12. And um, and I just get older and older, and it makes people go, well, that's a bit weird. But, uh, no, we're age and height appropriate, and... Um, and have a lovely, lovely time together on that farm. We really do. And you don't mind the world seeing this side of you. This is your private life now, and you're you're okay. No, with that. it is. No, no, no. I just go home, and it's that's my private life. The farm is it's it's quite a big area, you know, a thousand acres. So it's it's hard to you know you're just out doing a job of work. It could be at a factory. It could be driving a car around a court. It could be anywhere. Um, but it's not really private life. It's just what I do for a living. Okay, no, that's fair enough. That frames it differently. Yeah. Chapter five, the pandemic, which, of course, mm. no one saw coming, and it's right slap bang in the middle of the series. You've just sort of got in your groove as a farmer, and then this changes everything. The whole world is flipped si upside down. Strangely, yeah. your quote during that chapter is, it's genuinely just about the happiest I've ever been. Yeah, it was. That first lockdown that everybody took seriously, the weather, as you may remember, was just glorious. Mm. It was just endless sunny days and we were all told to go home but home for me is a you know a thousand acre farm in the Cotswolds so that was no hardship and then hilariously I was made a key worker because <laughs> you're providing you food know, if I'd have, right. yes yeah. exactly and we had a farm shop and we were providing food so we had to go to work and and I don't know whether it was right or wrong but we kept filming as well so um 
everything just kept going. But there was no pressure to go on holiday or go to the airport or go abroad or go to meetings. or it, it, There was no pressure to do anything. You could just drift. And it was so fantastic. Um, I, I remember Lisa and I were up at the lambing barn and the lambs had all just been born and they gone pretty well. And um, and we were just sitting up there with a bottle of rosé and it was a beautiful evening. And I just thought, I've never been happier at work than this. Never. You know, it's just, I'm, and we're a two-minute drive from home. Off-road, I should, because I mean, obviously you don't have to go on a road if you've had a bottle of rosé. But, you know, we can we can wobble our way back in the tractor and it's um, it's fantastic. Yes. Yes, which works. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people had an awful time with COVID. You know, not just those who died or those who became ill. But you know, those who were stuck in tiny flats and couldn't in an hours exercise a day, something in prison. But it just wasn't like that for me. It, it was just I was one of the lucky ones, yes. really lucky. Yes, absolutely. No, I mean, there's there's huge numbers. And of it really it, it added a new dimension to the program. I mean, it created some problems. I'll be honest, because I didn't know what I was doing, and still don't really. But I was trying to learn. But when you're in the lambing barn and a sheep is having difficulty with the, with the birth, but no one can come within six feet of you, I was having to do it sort of by myself, yes. which was, you know, which was fraught with difficulties. And, you know, attaching things to the back of the tractor, I couldn't, it was, you know, keeping that social distance was a challenge. Not for a normal farmer because, a non-farmer can do everything himself anyway, but I couldn't. I was trying to learn. And it's difficult when you couldn't get very close to anyone. Yes, uh, it didn't work anyway. I ended up catching COVID anyway. So, um, yeah. Yes, how was that? Because I remember you caught it about four days after we spoke, and it really took me by surprise because um, you were so healthy, you know, just two or three days earlier. Well, and I was, suddenly, boom, you're knocked out. Yeah. Well, it was the least ill I've ever been. I've not been... <laughs> I just, I went, I took myself off to bedroom. Thought, well, I'll just, just watch Bond films. So I started with Dr. No, opened a case of wine, and that was me. That was that was me for a week, for 10 days or however long it was. Brilliant. And I didn't feel ill at all. There's that, Not really. and, there's that clucks and luck rolling back in. You've told me about yeah, it was really. your lucky life in the past. There, there's another example of it. Yeah, but it, I, was, I was extraordinarily lucky on that one. You know, because I'm massively overweight. I've had double pneumonia. I have in my life. Life smoked a million cigarettes. I was a poster boy for you know being wiped out by COVID, but then it didn't really affect me at all. So um, I was lucky again. Yeah, yeah. There, there it is again. Has farming got you fitter, Jeremy? You say you're massively overweight. No, <laughs> no, and no, no. Everything's automated. It's one of the things that surprised me. You know, you like to think, oh, well, you're stomping around doing this and doing that. I mean, putting fences in is hard work. But most of the time, you're on, well, I've got a quad bike or something similar. and um, Or you're in a tractor or you're in the Range Rover. You, you tend, everything's automated. You don't, you don't clip hedges by hand, for example. <laughs> you know, you've got a machine. There's a machine that does everything. Um so I know I just sat in the tractor feeling myself getting fatter and fatter. <laughs> well, fair enough. W- which world do you prefer these days, Jeremy? Cars or farming? Oh, I like them both. I mean, I, 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 I love doing a grand tour. I, I, I mean, who wouldn't? Is, you know, let's go somewhere exotic and drive in ridiculously beautiful locations in somebody else's car. Well, that's 
with people you enjoy being with. That's, you know, that's a pretty good job. But it is only, what, a month, two months a year, maybe, if that, um, these days. Um, and the rest of the time is, is farming, which I also enjoy. So I've managed to get, yeah, I've managed to get myself sort, sorted out pretty well. Could you do and it? And then in the time? evenings, if, 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 if farming. It, if it all, yeah, if it all fell apart. If, if the oh, I, am doing, just... I mean, I'm doing it. To be honest, I'm doing it full time. I mean, if you think about it, I take my holidays and go with James and Richard somewhere and, and then come back. It's just like a holiday, really. And then in the evenings, I just write newspaper columns. Sounds a pretty, mm. pretty cushy life. Yeah, it's it's yeah, no, it's pretty good. Yeah, let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk. So about I'm always locals. doing something I want to do. Yeah, well, I mean, and and wow, that's 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 the win, isn't it? That's the there's the yeah, exactly. again, doing what makes you happy. Let's talk about the Ooh. locals, Jeremy. You've talked about the the sort of team around you who are just fabulous. You know, the 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 Jeremy, mm. the Ellen, and the and the Caleb, of course, who you have such a lovely dynamic with, and and indeed Charlie. But then the locals that we don't see on camera. There's a sort of slightly troubling moment where the hay bales are set on fire there's a bit of an arson attack how did you how did you react to that because it looked quite troubling well it's it, look it's it, the amount of rizzlers knocking around on the on the ground suggested that it was just kids who you know entertained themselves for five minutes by burning down the the, the hay bales um so i don't think it was targeted in any way and it's just a, one of those things it's like having your quad bike next it's just one of those things that happens in the countryside. Irritating, but you you move on um, and hope it doesn't happen again, which I'm sure it will. But, um, yeah, just it was I, – I, I doubt it was – well, it would have been local kids, but we all do stupid things when we're kids, and they did a stupid thing. Yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, Jeremy, we've seen so many challenges for farmers and, indeed, what you experience. Which one – has taken you by most surprise. So the weather, the cost, precision to farming—you know, ploughing the lines properly and so on—the Beatles, Brexit. Which has been the biggest issue that, that you've that surprised you? I would say government interference. There is a rule for everything. I mean, even things you couldn't imagine that somebody would have a meeting about, and they've had a meeting and they've decided there should be a rule. And the rule must be applied, and then there'll be able to satellite in space to make sure our rules are being uh, adhered to. It's, it was it, a staggering amount of every time a Vauxhall came up the drive, which happened all the time. Um, it would be someone from the government to tell you to stop doing what it was you thought you were going to do. So you want to create a, a wetland area. And, oh, no, you can't because there might be a water vole. And you say, there isn't a water vole. There are hardly any water voles in the country. Oh, you can't. We, we all know about bats. We know about newts. But even, so when I'm trying to create a sort of wetland area, obviously I'm using the tractor, and they come, oh, well, your soil compaction regulations are being breached. And you think, oh, my God, I'm doing this for the sake of the environment. I'm doing my best. Oh, well, you know, and so it, it is, I would say government interference, government pettiness, because um, I've always said the government's job is to decide where to build park benches and then go home. They should, the government should be run on a Tuesday afternoon by three people. <laughs> like, you don't need all these departments. And you don't, I mean, farmers, not me, but proper farmers know what they're doing. And by and large, they want to go grow good food and they want to keep their bit of the countryside looking nice. That's that's what they do. 
And then you have some eight-year-old in Whitehall who somehow seems to know more about it than they do, and they don't. Mm. Honestly, it's just, I mean, I need to be told what to do, but most farmers don't. And they know what they're doing, and they don't need all this legislation all the time. Yes. Yes. Well, you said to me last time you'd never be a politician, but but now that you've had no. your experience with government interference with farming, you're not calling mm. yourself a fully-fledged farmer, but could you look... No, not even slightly. But you have the voice, you have the profile, and, and farmers, I think, after this show will start to understand that you're, you're on their side. Could you use that that sort of voice and, and profile to, to try and make some changes on their behalf? No, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not a politician. I can't think of anything worse than being a politician. And then I just end up being sacked within three weeks. And I don't think, I don't think we need as many as we've got. We don't need any of them. But to learn to ignore, that might become my mantra. I mean, when I get better at farming, I'll, I'll know what legislation I don't really need. It's like speed limits. You know, you know when you have to adhere to them when you're going past to school and things, but you know when it's obviously ridiculous and it's three o'clock in the morning and you're on the M40, 70 is obviously too low. So you just, but that's many years of experience has taught me that. And it'll be the same in farming. If I'm gifted a long enough life, I'll work out which rules are a good idea and which ones are obviously stupid. Yes, yes, that's fair enough. Jeremy, season one of Clarkson's Farm, it's, it's eight chapters long. Each episode is a glorious, virtually an hour long, which is, which is wonderful. Are we going mm. to see a, a season two? Will you return? I would love to, but um, that, that, that all depends on the Amazon algorithm. You know, if a lot of people watch, then there's a, there's a season two. And if a lot of people don't watch, then there isn't a season two. So you'll know how many people watched it by whether there's a season two, because I'd love for it to the, the, the cameras to keep rolling. I sort of want to know what happens next. Yes. So um, I'm, I'm hoping other people do too. Well, I guess what I'm getting at really is I feel there's still a lot more to learn about you and farming and what happens next. So I, I feel that there would certainly be enough content to continue. Um, there's definitely enough content. There's definitely enough of that. We've got so many things. I mean, putting polytunnels in now to grow chilies, which are my latest harebrained venture. Um, but it's, um, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot to learn about farming. A lot to learn about where our food comes from, and how the countryside should be managed and looked after, um, and what the future should hold. <clears throat> and I'm I'm looking forward to doing it all. And well, I will be doing it all. And we'll just wait and see whether there are going to be cameras there. I I rather think they will be, Jeremy. We shall we shall see. Yes. We shall see. Yes. Well, I hope they are because it's it's a really <coughs> really really good show. Um, Jeremy, Thank once you. again, you've you've been great company, and uh, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. No, it's lovely talking to you as always. Andy J Podcast. There we go. We got our wellies dirty with Mr. Jeremy Clarkson. Always lovely to catch up with Jeremy. He's actually very, very good company and is an extremely generous interviewee. I look forward to uh, our conversation. I believe we'll be having another chat with him quite soon when a certain car show returns and we will be making sure that we also get him on our certain car show, namely Driven Chat. If you love your cars, do check out the Driven Chat podcast. We are pulling up trees with the people we're chatting to at the moment. I'm so thrilled to say that our most recent episode starred the incredible Ian Callum, legendary designer and just such a top man and, and the stories he shares are unbelievable. If you'd like to hear from 
Jeremy Clarkson's colleagues, by the way, do check out our back catalogue here on the Andy J Podcast. You'll see there's a whole hour with James May and a whole hour with Richard Hammond as well. That's it for today. Tomorrow we are back with two Oscar winners, Olivia Colman and Florian Zeller, a Hollywood director, Paul W.S. Anderson, and a soap superstar, Beverly Callard. Thanks for joining us here on the Andy J Podcast. Please tell your friends, hit the subscribe button, and if you're in a good mood, give us a nice healthy review and at least five stars. Thank you so much. Make someone smile. Have an excellent day. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.